1: Well, hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole, and I am just, well, or am I just one of the hosts here on the 602 Club, Matthew Rushing. I may or may not be him, and with me, as she is many times, who may or may not be, Christy Morris. Hello? Christy, is is that really you today?
0: Uh, I mean, who knows? I might turn green later, or I might not. We'll see. You know, I hear it's not easy being green. It's not. (laughs) 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 That's why we have to hide in plain sight. Oh, man, I gave it away.
1: (laughs) Well, we are going to be talking about the latest show from Marvel on Disney Plus called Secret Invasion, starring none other than... Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, but before we dive into that, as always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, and if you are listening to this, just subscribe wherever that is, so you'll get the shows as soon as they come out. Of course, you can also follow us and interact with us. We love that over on social media. We're on Twitter at The 602 Club. We're on Instagram at The 602 Club TFM. You can also find us online at trek.fm, where you can see all of the shows we're doing. We've got the entire network on Facebook at facebook.com slash track FM, as well as a listeners only discussion group housed on Facebook called the Babel conference. You can join, talk to listeners from all over the world. And if you do like our shows and you want to continue to make sure that they keep coming to you each and every week, one of the best ways to do that is to go to Patreon at patreon.com slash track FM, become part of our team and make sure that everything we're doing here uh can continue to happen. It's it's pretty expensive to do this, and we really can't do it without listeners just like you. And so again we ask you to go to Patreon at patreon.com/slash TrekFm and help us out. So Christy, uh this is one of those things where uh we are now in phase five. Uh, and we're definitely building towards things that they've announced like uh, the Kang Dynasty as well as we know the movie. Uh, the, uh, those That's one of the Avengers movies that's come out. And then, of course, the the, the other Avengers movies they announced was the Secret Wars. Uh, and so Secret Invasion is absolutely pivotal and beginning to build towards that final film, at least in this multiverse saga that they're doing uh, after they, they did the Infinity Stone saga. So – This also, as a show, kind of helps fill in some of the gaps. Specifically, we're kind of picking up a lot of the threads we had in Captain Marvel, as well as uh, Nick Fury in Endgame and kind of where he's at. And so kind of filling in all of this together. And I I wanted to ask you how you felt like this did in that, because there's so much that's, that's happening in the MCU and, you know, the fact that Miss M- Captain Marvel, the time period for that was the 90s, but where we had been in the MCU had been all in kind of like where we are today, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, how did you feel like this did in kind of starting to fill in some of those gaps so that we knew what was going with the character? So, we knew what was happening with the scrolls and everything where they are now. And, of course, what Nick Fury has been up to after Endgame.
0: So, I mean, definitely that is a weakness of the MCU at this point is there's so many gaps to fill in and it can get so complicated. And it's not really for a first-time viewer anymore. You have to have some knowledge of what happened before in order to know what's going on now, which is a weakness. Um But I feel like in this show, they kind of did the best that they could with that by trying to keep it simple. And really just hit the high points of what gaps they're filling in, which I think makes it easier. Um, So I do think that they explained very well what happened with the scrolls between the Captain Marvel movie and now. And then also with Fury, just kept that story very... um, you know general as to he was in space working on saber and then he felt responsible for what was happening now so he came back um but they didn't really get too much into where he was kind of in that limbo of him disappearing during the blip and then ending up in space
1: yeah i mean i think that you put that really well uh in the sense that there is kind of so much that has happened. Um, and, I, you know, Captain Marvel, if I remember the movie, kind of uh, showed us at the end. And I don't remember if it was maybe Captain Marvel, if it was a. I think it was where they had the Stinger, where they showed, you know, Nick Fury off world. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, we saw him, of course. Uh, on world during what happens in infinity war where he disappears mm-hmm. and now he's a part of this saber initiative which you know if there's one thing that i think that, that, that the show if there's one real big sin that it commits is i think it this show is supposed to be about nick fury and we learn a lot about nick fury in in the show right a lot about his past and his relationships that we didn't really know much about. But I think one of the things that it doesn't really do well is filling in the gaps for understanding why Nick Fury is building Saber in the first place. Right. Like, what? It's, it's. I think, yeah, that's one of the, and I've watched this show twice now through, and I still can't, tell you as to why say the saber initiative really what it is other than it's some sort of defense platform in space i guess for earth mm-hmm. and other than that i don't know um and so i think that's a really big sin of this show to not tell you the big reason why nick fury has been away and we get the personal reason in the sense that the blip really affecting him But there's also got to be other reasons, too, as to why he's working on this, and it doesn't really do a great job of that. Now, Mm -hmm. on the flip side of that, I think them filling in the gaps between, okay, what happened for the scrolls from Captain Marvel, where they went off with Captain Marvel to find them a planet, and what brought them back to Earth, and why are they now on Earth, was probably the best gap that was filled in. It mm-hmm. made the most sense. Now, when I say that, that it makes the most sense, um, I might be being slightly facetious because are you really telling me that in the universe there's no other planet that the scrolls can find a home on? Seriously? Like, the entire universe? Did you check the entire universe? Really, Carol? Well, the thing is, Matt, the
0: planets are so far apart that they would die before they reach the next one. So this is the only option. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's very convenient here.
1: Yeah. That this I mean, is that's the only something option. that I just did not understand. I'm like, there have to be other planets out there somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, our universe is huge. Mm-hmm. And so that didn't make any sense that carol danvers who you know at this point what seems like with her powers would never age is probably never gonna die Mm -hmm. can't find a planet for these people to be a part of i mean i just i don't know it um it didn't really make a lot of sense
0: and here's the other thing i'm gonna throw another wrench in there Uh, i'm just gonna make it worse that's what that's the game now Uh, um in a universe where there are also parallel universes. Are there not other planets that they could yes. go to?
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, no, like you...
0: Earth 2 or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that you've hit on something that's going to plague. I think the MCU moving forward is that even when somebody dies, you know, now we can just replace them if we wanted to with somebody from another universe. Mm hmm. You know, the question is always going to be, was that the real person or was that somebody that was just, you know, uh, being replaced by somebody? I mean, all of these type of questions now that you've added, all these variables are going to be asked continuously but i I just felt like there were plenty of planets like i even think of that planet remember the planet that thanos was on that he was resting on Mm -hmm. that the the avengers find why couldn't the scrolls live there there didn't seem to be a big population there i mean it just so yes i i think that's something that's really frustrating and and you mentioned i think something at the beginning there when I first asked the question about, you know, just how big the MCU has become, and the fact that this is absolutely a show that you could not come into at all if you had not watched anything else in Marvel, it just wouldn't make sense mm-hmm. because every part of this show is referencing something else that's happened. I mean, Nick Fury doesn't mean anything to you, The Scrolls don't mean anything to you you know, uh, the the character of Ross, Maria Hill. None of these people mean anything to you if you haven't watched anything else in Marvel. And therefore, this show, and rightly or wrongly, I mean, I don't really think it's wrong, but it's definitely in a place where, like, it doesn't mean anything to you. You're not going to care about it if you don't already care about the MCU in the first place. And if streaming numbers are anything to be, you know, looked at, which I know, of course, all the streaming networks are right now. Uh, this is one of the least watched shows in the MCU, which is kind of crazy to me when you think that, you know, Samuel Jackson is your lead character.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and it, my theory about that as well is that it really didn't get the promotion it deserved. Um, I think the marketing of it could have been a lot more. Um. But then also it could have been, too, that it's <clears throat> sort of like the Black Widow situation. So long after the first appearance of the character of Nick Fury that it's like, why do people care anymore? Yeah. Did you kind of feel that way? <sighs> yeah. That you're like, eh, I mean, we're just revisiting old news.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I, You know, I, I do think that that is a good question as to you know, to to why people would care about this at this point. And I do think it, it does the numbers across the board, I mean, even for Marvel films uh themselves, you know, I, I think uh if we look at what the numbers were for uh Guardians three, you know, I, I don't I don't think that the numbers there really uh show us a strong box office return. I mean, you know, strangely enough and and kind of sad for the MCU at this point, uh, Guardians 3 didn't make over a billion dollars for the, the MCU. It made 845 million worldwide. Um and you know, that's that's not as good uh as I think uh, Guardians 2 uh it actually did about the same you know guardians uh 1 did about the same but you would expect the 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 biggest thing that MCU has done this year to do better mm-hmm. and it, it just seems like you know everything is trending downwards and of course you know we look at the other side of the coin with DC and it's definitely doing that and so um yeah i think that you know maybe there is something to the idea, it's not necessarily superhero fatigue, but I think that it's the same fatigue. Like, mm-hmm. people are getting tired of just the same things. Um, and they do want something fresh and new, which is why I think people have responded more to something like the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. In the sense of, like, at least it it feels fresh and new um, than, you know... The, what we are getting in the MCU or DCU, whatever they call it these days. So yeah, um, something interesting about the show, and of course, you know, when you have characters who can become anyone, um, this absolutely renders the question of what is true at the forefront of everyone's mind, uh, and. It's, of course, something that also happens in the show itself, you know, uh, by people being able to take the faces of others and make it look like, you know, Nick Fury has murdered somebody Mm -hmm. uh, and all of these kind of things. Right. You don't know who to trust. Um, And in in fact, you know, Disney uh, here had actually used uh, generative AI to help them create the opening titles. And they said specifically kind of because it went along with the theme of, you know, what happens when things begin to replace other things and you don't know what's true and what's real and what's – you know, if you don't really feel like you know what's happening, um, there's something to that. There's something terrifying about that. And um, I thought that, you know, if there's anything about the story – This is probably the most interesting part of the story to me, Uh, and and it resonates thematically because everybody is trying to figure out how to live in a world where they don't even necessarily realize that what's before their eyes actually can't be trusted anymore.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that was the strongest theme of the entire show and the most interesting one, because it also does go very well hand in hand with something about being invaded. You know, if you think about the theme of that as well, of um, being caught by surprise, um, things being hidden in plain sight, um, and, you know, that it's goes along with the whole name of the show that it's happening and people have no idea it's even going on um i thought was fascinating and i love that they also do find ways to reveal the truth that doesn't just involve killing them off you know like they realize that just um getting injured would make one of the aliens show their true colors, literally. <laughs> and that was a good, you know, play on words, showing your true colors, quote unquote. Um,
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I love that. Yeah. Well, and like you mentioned, I think is really smart as well. You know, this the because we see that people we've known have been replaced and for how long? Like they're, you know, Rhodey has been replaced out. Oh. Mm-hmm ross has been replaced uh we see fury kind of being replaced you know at certain points here uh Mm -hmm. and we've also seen world leaders and influencers in the media all having been replaced pushing different agendas and therefore again the the people that we trust to tell us the truth about things are no longer trustworthy. And I mean, I, I think, mm. you know, it's it's kind of sad to me that a story like this, where I do think it's so relevant to the world that we live in, one, not being able to really find an audience, and and two, I think there's, there's uh, you know, may, and we'll probably talk about this throughout the show, but there just seems to be something missing about the show where it really is able to land those punches uh, of that thematic element in a way that I, in some ways just kind of slaps you across the face, right? Because this is where we are today.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you mean slaps you across the face?
1: I, I mean, I, I guess... Uh...
0: Like a specific scene?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing that that I was, I guess, a little bit frustrated with is that I don't know if there's really a moment where it truly just does a fantastic job of driving this point home to where you can't just brush it off and be like, oh, well, that's the MCU and everything. You know, like this is one of those things, you know, like obviously uh, Star Trek is very uh, big in, in doing commentary, you know, from the original uh, series all the way to now, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the best episodes of that were able to drive home a point that made you truly think about the world that you were living in and the ways in which what you saw in the episode were reflected in the real world. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they do that well enough, but maybe it's just because I feel like the show itself is lackluster. Mm Mm-hmm it doesn't that's may, maybe that's my problem with it it's just that the show itself doesn't find a way to truly be exceptional and therefore this theme which i think is so important for our world today then doesn't feel the way that you would want it to feel
0: mm-hmm. well and i don't want to get off topic at all but i think Part of that problem that it doesn't hit as strong as it could is because also it gets too tangled up with the other big point that the show is trying to make that I think it does unsuccessfully is about the reason that Gravik started this rebellion in the first place. I think that his story is too convoluted. And then they're trying to tell that parallel to this one about what is true and what's not. And then both neither are are really getting told. Well, did you feel that way at all?
1: I think that's a fantastic point, because, yes, I think that the reason that the villain is doing what he's doing seems so lackluster Mm -hmm. and so silly that I like he changes uh, his mind. Well, so here's the thing. He just kind of comes off as a big whiny baby, (laughs) you know, and I, I think that this is, this is the problem with the whole thing. And we already kind of discussed this a little bit, but the big issue that he has with fury is that he feels like fury has used him and basically abused all of the, scrolls for his benefit and then when it wasn't convenient for him to care anymore he stopped caring Mm -hmm. and that's the problem with the whole series is that it just doesn't make any sense that we really can't find another planet for these people and that's really what he's angry at is that nick fury he feels like lied to him and the scrolls and because he didn't keep his promise, he's going to take that out on the entire world, mm-hmm. right? He's going to take that on, out on all of humanity. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be able to make that point, I think that you need to have shown that humanity itself would not accept these people and show that to us, other than just telling us that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when we think about what humanity has been through in the MCU, they know that there are other aliens out there. They know that there are good aliens. They know that there are bad aliens. Um, they know they're aliens they can trust. They know they're aliens we can't trust, right? And so to just assume that humanity at this point would turn their back on the scrolls. And I think this is the other thing, is it's this very clumsy metaphor for immigration in the United States. And it's so Hmm. poorly done that it just really comes off as, again, because the motivations of Gravic and what's happened to them aren't really fully explored in the series, We're just told things instead of really shown things, that's the problem. That's mm-hmm. the biggest problem with the series is that it doesn't show us things. It just tells us things. And I don't really care about whiny baby Gravik and his problems because <laughs> they don't do a good job of helping me feel those by showing them to us. Mm-hmm. And the other problem is, is that we I don't feel like we explore enough of Nick Fury and all that's happened between the 90s and now To show that he wasn't doing everything he could to, you know, find a place for them or even to make Earth their home. And again, it just becomes off Mm -hmm. this is this clumsy metaphor for things that, you know, are definitely important in our world, but they're just not doing a good enough job of it even to shine a light in our world. But they're definitely not doing a good enough job to actually just tell the story. I feel like that they're trying to tell.
0: Yeah. Well, and. What I was getting at, too, was I feel like the story of Gravik trying to punish humanity and create, um, after they're gone, Earth as the Skrull's home doesn't make sense then if he's also killing other Scrolls. So it's like, do you just want total power or do you want a new home for your people? So it's like he's doing three different mm-hmm. plans, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. "What? Which one does he want?" I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think that's a great point as well. Again, with Gravik, there is this almost Hitler-like thing going on with him too, where it comes to this idea of like the purity. Uh, if you don't agree with me, then you're dead mm-hmm. as a scroll. Instead of truly caring about all scrolls, he only cares about scrolls that think like him. Mm-hmm. And so and then of course, if you're not thinking like him, then you're basically an impure scroll. Mm-hmm. And so all of that, I think this is the problem, I think, with the series, is that there are all of these things that are not just well done enough. And so him as a villain, he feels uh underserved uh, and that underserves the entire story, uh, and that underserves, I think, the the thought that this this series is going to find a way to come together, really, in the end, because everything just kind of feels half baked. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, and- it's a great point you brought up. Uh, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest problem is that the villain motivation. And the storylines, then, for the filling in the gaps, none of that really connects as well as it needs to to make up a cohesive story that feels Mm -hmm. real. And
0: to add to that, um, they also decided when creating the show not to follow the storyline from the comics. So they're telling their own new version of the story. And that's why, apparently... In the show, they are having scrolls replacing regular people as well as some, you know, diplomats and things. But in the comics, apparently, scrolls were replacing actual superheroes. And that's not the only difference from the comics. And obviously, you know, like I said, if we've learned right. this was intentional, but if you're not then doing it intentionally better. Is it worth it?
1: Yeah, I think that that's a really good point uh, because you you come down with the issue of them replacing normal people, or you know, again, we talked about the idea of like people in power. Uh, you know, around the world, people in the media, those type of things—all of that's terrifying, right? And and then you realize too that what he's trying to do is be able to turn himself and Scrolls into superhuman versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. He's trying to create super Scrolls based off of uh, this serum that. So in after endgame, they had Scrolls go in, who can of course disguise themselves as anyone and pick up the blood of all of the heroes that shed blood, even Carol Danvers apparently shed blood there. So they were able to pick up her powers, basically. So they can turn themselves through this machine they've created into to any type of superhero, or combine the all of these powers into one super superhero. And you know, so You are in some ways referencing some of those things that come from the comics. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I do have to ask you in the end if we create a super scroll uh, between Gravik and Gaia there at the end in that battle, where they're basically the strongest thing in the universe because you've combined the powers, you've combined the powers of every single superhero that was involved in the battle of endgame mm-hmm. what's the point of having any other hero- they should i mean they should be unkillable and then somehow she's able to kill him which didn't make any sense
0: thank you <laughs> that was the biggest error in the whole show to me was if you already showed that both Gravik and gaia now have the power to heal themselves from Any injury, bullet wounds, stabbings, whatever, then they get in a fight and they're still self-healing throughout the fight. But then because she uses Carol Danvers' ray to shoot a hole in his stomach, he's suddenly permanently dead and she gets off scot-free. That doesn't make any sense with what you've already shown us. You have to either be consistent or write it a different way, but that doesn't make any sense.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean...
0: yeah. And like you said, why would you need any other superheroes at this point? These two have all of their powers. It's like uh, Captain Planet with all our powers combined.
1: So, I mean, you know, if if they had had her shoot a hole through his stomach and then they had had her blow off his head, I might have accepted the fact that he could die. Mm-hmm. Right. But this just makes no sense that somehow by blowing a hole through his stomach that he's dead mm-hmm. when he has the regenerative regenerative powers of not just himself but uh but all of these superheroes that we've seen throughout the mcu that can self-generate healing like Groot, and, and you know yeah and well and he's got extremists right too because we've seen saw that as well so mm-hmm. I just I, I don't understand it it doesn't make uh, any sense and so
0: well and um, it's also a lackluster death for him to be honest if you're trying to make him out to be the biggest threat in the whole show and then he just dies like that
1: yeah I mean he goes out like Bulba Fett in the you know like a punk in Return of the <laughs> Jedi it's like that's it that's all you got yep uh yeah um I do have to ask you too, because we actually kill some characters in this show. And so, how do you feel about them killing off Maria Hill and Talos in this show?
0: I kind of expected Talos might happen um, just because of the whole situation with the Scrolls and, you know, his daughter is involved. His wife has already been killed by Gravik. I wondered if at some point he was going to have to sacrifice himself. But I felt like Maria's death felt very profound um, and didn't feel justified. Um, You know, I get that they're trying to say that it was Gravik posing as Fury, um, but then it's like they just move on to more important things, quote unquote, um, and that her death ultimately didn't have any other meaning than to try and paint Fury as the villain. And it, to me, is a disservice to the character because she was so involved with Coulson and with S.H.I.E.L.D. and, you know, with the Avengers and everything. I think that she deserved better than that.
1: I definitely agree with you. I was frustrated with the fact that she died. And like you, I also felt as though it seemed I don't know, it just it it didn't seem right that Mm -hmm. she would go out like this. You know, this character that has been through so much of the MCU, I, I I don't mind them killing her off. I think the thing is, is that I want her to go out in a way that feels Heroic? More heroic, yeah. It has something else to it. And and I get that the show in some ways is kind of I we're 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 going for a more realistic and gritty tone. Mm-hmm. But I'm just disappointed that the way in which this character goes out is not better. Uh and so yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. I'm. I'm absolutely, actually, kind of frustrated that it just, um, it doesn't feel the way it should. Uh, I think for this character who who has been with us for so long, uh, and I think it just deserves more at this point. And and I think, you know, like you, uh, it, the Talos death, I felt like was. Something that was coming because of the story, and it, it almost and and this is something I I feel like would would have been great um, if had been done better. Her him dying, and then you know us learning about the fact that you know Fury has this relationship with this scroll, and they've been married for all these years. You know, for them to basically uh, become. You know, her kind of surrogate parents, I think, would have been much more interesting, um,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and, and everything, but they just don't go that direction. And so uh, both of the deaths kind of just feel like, eh, you know, it, it, I don't know. This show just really misses the mark there, I think. Um, and I think part of that is that you know we get these new characters introduced, um, and you know Amelia Clark, who I love, you know, is great in Solo. She's fantastic in Game of Thrones. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've really, I really enjoy her as an actress. You know, how did you feel about her as Gaia, as Talos's daughter, who's you know kind of working for Gravik, but then comes back to the other side? and then of course at the end ends up joining forces with Sonia as a way to you know help her people does it work for you
0: i think this is a situation where we both love amelia clark and she did the best she could with what she was given <laughs> as we say um but i think that some of the things about her character were lackluster and also inconsistent um you know, overall, I initially thought she was very interesting. I like the idea of, you know, she's like the mole on the inside that no one expected till later, um, as far as the other characters. Um, and then it starts to get confusing when she is debating whether or not to stay the course and continue to feed information to the good guys or to go with the plan. Um And then, you know, she argues with her father and seems like she wants to go back to Gravik again. Um, And then the whole issue with the writing of her getting all the powers. It just seems that they're once again making a character who we've just met out of nowhere be all powerful. And it just felt unearned, I would say would be the best word for that. Um, and that all of this had to do with the writing for the character and nothing to do with the performance.
1: Yeah, I mean I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think it is kind of strange to me that uh we have this character who um like you said, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers in general, and I think she's fantastic as an actress, but I think that like everybody else in this show. Uh, she's kind of underserved, um, which I think doesn't help. I think the problem is is that this show introduces too many new characters to us and, and expects us to try and care about them or really kind of know who they are because I think this is also a big problem with – you know, I love Olivia Colman, and I think her Sonia is phenomenal in the show. I think she's so much fun to watch, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, introducing her is really interesting. But she's one more character, a part of another spy organization uh, that I don't quite understand who or what she is or why.
0: Yeah, her background of who she works for is not explained, or her title— Um, Or what she's ultimately trying to get. Because initially they paint her as Fury's enemy. Like they're begrudging friends. But they have all this history and you know like bad blood between them. And that he wants to make sure she doesn't get something before he does kind of thing. But then change her to be kind of on his side. um, Was odd. And then also... I thought it just felt stupid that she was so shocked Rhodes was a scroll. <laughs> Why would she, of all
1: people, not suspect that? I, well, and I mean, she's, you know, the whole thing about like a, Fury telling her, and you thought I was losing a uh, step, you know, and losing my touch. And it just, yeah, I just, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It just seemed convenient for convenience sake that she wouldn't know that Rhodes is a scroll. And. That was definitely frustrating, mm-hmm. um, and so, and, and and I think she reminds me a bit of the Countess uh, and the Falcon Winter Soldier, as well as the end of Black Widow, where we know that she's kind of setting up this team. But again, I still have no real true understanding because I don't know the Marvel comics as well. And I'm only got what the the shows give us. And so it's like, okay, I, what, who are all these people that we're introducing? Again, we're just, the problem is, is we're, we created this multiverse of mess Mm -hmm. that I just don't understand what's happening because everything feels so much less clear than especially that it did in the Infinity Stone saga. Mm -hmm. where things felt pretty clear as to why we're introducing them and, you know, what they had to do with the whole. And now there's just so much that I just don't get it. And then, you know, we have this character, Avara, who's introduced, who's, you know, the wife of Nick Fury, who uh, is a scroll herself. Um, And, you know, I thought it was very interesting, this idea that Nick Fury would uh get married to a scroll of course you know he is a black man who grew up during segregation and so to marry somebody who has a mirror for that kind of idea phenomenal right mm-hmm. i think really interesting the problem is, is i think that again it becomes a really muddy metaphor and it's not this show is split in so many different directions that I don't know if their relationship is truly served the way you would want it to be to to really make it come to life.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that could have been done better some in their dialogue. I think there's definitely times that things they say to each other are supposed to be a meaningful scene where they say something really um, profound and things to make you think, but it just comes across as, Vague and unspecific things, <laughs> like I didn't know if that time when you left you were ever gonna come back. oh no, you know uh it it was just kind of blah for their dialogue sometimes, um when it could have been a lot more interesting, and i I don't know about you, but I felt kind of uncomfortable with the point where um they had Gaia criticize. Vara for not being her own true skin in front of Fury and letting her him love her as she really is. Um, That point was okay, but the way that Vara defends not doing it was weird to me. You know what I mean? Where she's like, you don't know what it's like having to build a life with somebody.
1: Yeah. I was like, "What does
0: that mean? Like, you hide who you really are in order f- to keep them." Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think I get what they're going for, which is like, don't come in and judge me, and and with your ideas from now and judge my past with your mm-hmm. same ideas. You don't understand the world that I lived in, and the and and, and so what I I. I get what they're saying there, this idea of uh, that chronological snobbery type of idea. Like, oh, just because of where we are now, we know better than back then. And and so therefore, everything that happened back then was wrong and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying, and I 100% agree with you, it's just so clumsily done. It just doesn't really work the way they need it to.
0: Right. So the point doesn't get across.
1: (laughs) Yes, I agree. Uh, So no, I that's phenomenal. I'm glad you brought that up because it's an it's a problem with the show is just in general, the writing not really getting across clearly um, when it needs to the things that it should, which kind of leads me into the just the tone of the show, which is much darker and more akin, of course, to the Winter Soldier or the Civil War film, which I have no problem with. And I was very excited actually to come into this show because it was going to be like that. Um, how does it, I mean, does it work for you? Did, did you feel like they were able to keep the consistent tone throughout the show? And did you feel as though it was, I don't know, did you feel like it? it earned the tone that it was going for? I do feel
0: that it earned the tone it was going for, because if you're going to tell... Nick Fury's story after the blip, that makes sense. You know, he feels like he's lost everything that mattered to him or made him happy. And finally then found something to make him happy with Priscilla. Um, But that overall you would expect his story to be one that's more somber. Um, And then adding to it that it's this whole issue with the scrolls trying to live amongst humanity without being detected um i liked coming into the show the feeling of it being almost you know a spy movie where there are all these things going on that other characters are unaware of and there's people that could pass between both groups undetected and things like that so that was really interesting and i thought the tone was warranted um but, you know, just some other things could have been done better. Did you mm-hmm. feel that way, too?
1: I love the idea that this is the tone we're going for. And and I personally, you know, the Winter Soldier is my favorite f- thing in the MCU. And I don't know if it will ever be eclipsed at this point. And mm. saying that. I think that this show, because it does not have the. Laser focus of something like. The Winter Soldier, uh, it, it kind of squanders the tone that it's going for. Like you, I absolutely love this idea that we're going for a very paranoid, noir, uh, almost uh, 1970s political thriller. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think the MCU could absolutely use more of that. I think the writing lets everything down in this series in that way that it just can't live up to the tone that it wants. Um, and it, it, the writing I don't think can actually support the tone. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think the really big problem is, is that there's some great ideas here. There's some great intentions here, but I just don't feel like watching through the show that there is the cohesiveness of the whole to bring this type of tone to life uh, in a way that I guess really makes me enjoy what they're trying to do in that sense. I think that's kind of the frustration I have with it. and which is sad because, you know, the the show ends on this idea of, Vara and Fury realizing that they're better together. That, you know, she's going to go with him right now. Um, and they become a micro cause, like the micro level of the macro, what they're trying to get together, which is that the humanity and scrolls could be awesome together if they could just learn to believe in each other. And, you know, we leave the show with them going to have peace talks with the Cree. Uh, so that the scrolls and the Kree can make peace and, and maybe we could find a home for the the scrolls that way. And you know, I, I think all of that is fantastic, but I was also coming away from that being left with this thought of I were the Kree again? And like <laughs> it's like I I'm just I'm kind of lost as to why and who all of these things are and why I should care about them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a thing where the show itself is not doing a great job of really connecting me to what's happening. And it's just a place where I think, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, the MCU itself is is there's so much in it, uh, and there's it's so big, that I just, it's hard to keep track really well of all of these stories, especially since they come so far apart. I mean, when you think about it, Captain Marvel is a movie that came out in 2019. It's 2023 now when this show has come out and there's been, it feels like a hundred MCU entries since that point. It's just very hard to remember and care about all of these things. Um, because the story feels so spread out. And so I don't know how, how did you end up feeling about that?
0: I certainly agree that it, it almost needs a, um, expositional slide or something in here to write out really quick (laughs) just so you remember (laughs) the Cree are blah 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 you know um, because yeah I mean at this point four years almost five years later after Captain Marvel who's going to remember that unless you're like a uber fan or a huge comic reader Um, I happen to remember just because I loved Captain Marvel in the comics that Captain Marvel was originally Cree, and that's why the Kree matter and then trying to get the Kree and the Skrulls to work together but again not everyone would know that and you need to make it more digestible for the average person not the uber fan Um, and I do I do think that they could have said the point better that they were trying to make of like you said about humans and scrolls being able to live together and coexist, um, I think they could have gotten the point across. Instead of making it like his quote where Fury says, it was easier to save 8 billion lives than to change 8 billion minds. To me, that's a really defeatist attitude. When they could have said, I decided that change would start with me. You know what I mean? Like you could look at it glass half full or glass half empty. And they were basically making Fury like, well, I just gave up. So I'm going to try working things out with the Kree and the Skrulls instead of the humans and the Skrulls and just get out of (laughs) here.
1: And I would say that one of the reasons that line fails is that we haven't seen in the MCU any attempt to be able to do that. Really? Yeah. We actually haven't seen that. And so we're just taking Fury's word for it based off of our own world and ideas as the watcher, not the actual person inside the MCU world, which is completely different than our world, right? It's a world where superheroes exist and people from other planets and all. Mm -hmm. So again, I think that's one of the places where this really just kind of falls apart because it tells us it doesn't show us. And I don't know. I'm I'm really interested, you know, with this conversation – because I feel like there's been some serious ups and downs for our thought process with this one. Where do you land on on your ratings for Secret Invasion?
0: So I really was excited and excited initially starting the first two episodes. Um, and the more it went along, felt that that unraveled. Which sucks. Um, and... And I have to say, I do think that the marketing could have pulled me in a lot better because, honestly, it wasn't until you told me about the show that I even knew it was around um, or had any interest in watching it. I think that it could have been marketed to say, this is an, another essential piece of the Marvel puzzle that you need to see to get the big picture. Um, but then, too, they didn't back that up with the story. You know, you have to also make the storytelling an essential piece to the puzzle instead of feeling like this is a stop along the way to a bigger thing they want to do later. And that's ultimately the issue that I have here is that it feels like it was a thing that they had to do and not really something that was a major focus on great storytelling. Um. I think the strongest thing here for sure is the cast. I think that having lots of Ben Mendelsohn and um, Samuel L. Jackson is always a good thing. Um, but just a lot of things could have been executed better and made more clear with the dialogue and the storytelling. So ultimately as much as I, you know, kind of hate to say it, I end up giving this a uh, two out of five stars. Um, because it really didn't hit where I wanted it to, and I just didn't have the excitement for it like I would have liked or like I had even with, like, Loki or WandaVision. This just feels like something that nobody really needs to see because it's not going to matter later anyway, and uh was lackluster.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... You've you've really said it so well and kind of summed up everything that I was feeling as well with the show. I, I think it had potential; it could have been excellent. Uh, I think uh, what you're going for and what you want to do is is great. I'm all for it. Uh, I think this show is utterly lackluster in every area for the most part, uh, and it's it's a muddied mess. It just doesn't, it feels like a show generated by AI, right? uh, unfortunately, you know, and it's just not very good. Um, And, you know, I had rated this two and a half out of five stars, but I think I'm going to be with you and give this a two out of five. It's not even half a good show. It's almost half a good show, Mm -hmm. but it just can't get there. Um, It's just it's really disappointing and the more we talked about it the more frustrated i was getting with the show and that's never a good sign so uh i'm hoping that you know what comes next in the mcu will be better um we'll see uh who knows uh but unfortunately i think that's the marvels and Mm -hmm. man does the trailer for that look not so good so we'll see But Christy, if people wanted to catch up with you, see what else is happening, where else can they find you?
0: You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxed at Bespin Bell. And of course, then, you know, when I wasn't here on 602 Club doing a show uh, with my friends Amanda and Teresa called Sabers and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network. But what about you?
1: Well, of course, you can find me all over social media under the name at rushing 2 Here on the network outside of the 602 Club, you can find me doing Literary Treks, The Orb, Warp 5, The Artificial Tango, and Saddle Up as we wrap up Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. You can also find me on the Nerd Party Network with two shows. One is called Owl Post with Dre Kaufman, discussing every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. And then you can find me on aggressive negotiations with John Mills as we discuss Star Wars each and every week. But thank you so much for joining
0: us. And y'all come back now you hear.